can just take your word with me and turn to Exodus, the 20th chapter. Book of Exodus, 20th chapter. And I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to title this, this couple weeks that we're going to be doing this together. I'm believing it's going to be a couple weeks. Um, but I'm going to title this, The Ten. Um, and we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments. And we're going to be walking our way through them, and we're going to be um, applying these commandments into our lives today. And so I've got some things that I'll share with you about that. But if, first of all, let's read this together, and then we'll jump into this. Exodus chapter 20, and I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1. Exodus 20, beginning at verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved or graven image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Now let me let me stop right there because I, I wanna I wanna share this because I, I don't have this down to share and and I wanted to share this with you even though it didn't make it into my notes. I, I want you to put yourself first of all in the setting because in, in the setting that this was written it was not an uncommon thing whatsoever for households to be gathered around to the third and fourth generations for them to be living together still. So the, the idea and the concept behind what I just read to you what, that, that says that uh, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me or those who, who worship these other gods, you, you got to understand the, the significance of this because... And later he's going to talk about fathers and mothers, but where that patriarch or that matriarch, if their hearts were corrupted by false gods or by idol worship, then that would readily pass down very quickly to these generations and they would be led astray. And so that's some of the significance of what is being said there. And I think sometimes we... We miss that. We, we only think of it being, well, the Lord is saying that punishment is going to be passed down, down through the ages. But, but even more than that, it shows the significance of leading your house into true worship of God because of the impact that you are going to have. And so I, I just wanted to bring that out into your mind. Verse number 6 says, but even though iniquity will pass down, but he says in verse 6, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, 
nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Verse 18. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. They were fearful out of what they were seeing and, and, and hearing. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear. For God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. We have this setting, the Old Testament, as the children of Israel have now been led out of Egyptian bondage. They are in the wilderness at this time, and Moses has, has received from the Lord, and, and now he is giving and he is responding to the children of Israel these commands that the Lord has given them in order to live. So we're going we're gonna to talk just a little bit about these ten, and, and we're going to see what this means to us today. Uh, in this old covenant, in the Old Testament that, that we have, the covenant that was given to them, and when we say Old Covenant or Old Testament, that is not a derogatory term. It is just simply a, uh, a delineation between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant that Christ comes to seal and complete. Okay, so But these have significance for us. You're going to find three things in the Old Testament, especially in the Pentateuch there that, that, that um, the first five books of the Bible that, that, that God is delivering to the children of Israel and then the, they are to follow. And, and you are going to see that there are three different aspects of laws that are given. And this, this becomes pretty important for us to understand. There, there are societal laws. There, there, those are governmental laws that God sets in place for His people, the people of Israel, the children of Israel that, that are going to go and they're going to establish their kingdom and they're going to set up and there are going to be societal, governmental laws that are going to be given to them. In fact, uh, our country that we live in today, 
has been set on many of the societal and governmental laws. Not, not all, but many are, form the foundation of the country that we are living in today because uh, those forefathers of ours in the United States of America saw the benefit of the governmental laws, the societal laws, and establish this country upon those. And so we, we see those in the Old Testament. Not only that, but then we also see ceremonial laws. The Jewish laws, these are the, 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 the ceremonial laws that as the Jewish people are operating in their religious activity and following the Lord, there are ceremonial laws that they are going to be commanded by God to follow. Uh, these laws will concern the you know, washing of hands and washing of utensils and the way that they're going to offer their worship to God and the way they're going to set up the tabernacle and the way the priesthood is going to adorn themselves and move forward. They are ceremonial laws. The feasts that are the, the, the sacrifices that the people are going to come and they are going to bring and they are going to have to bring them a certain way. They're going to have to be prepared a certain way. And only certain things are going to do and these are ceremonial laws they are the jewish laws of how to conduct their their life uh religious life as god's people so we see laws as to how they are going to conduct their their kingdom life in the land god is giving them as god's people we see the laws that are going to show them how they are to conduct their religious life as god's people but then the third aspect and what we are going to begin to deal with tonight we see the eternal laws some would say the moral laws the ten commandments that i just read to you these truly are eternal and moral laws how to live with God and with one another. And, and we, are, we, we are going to look, and that's going to be our focus. Because the reality is that we, sitting here tonight, we are, are not Jewish people as far as people in the land. We, we are Gentile people that have been grafted in, brought in through Jesus Christ who came, uh, and, and so therefore the religious, the ceremonial laws are, are not given for us. Now, they pointed us to Christ, but Christ fulfills those. Amen. Okay. He is the sacrifice, and we will talk about some of that as we move forward. And, and so we, we are not living under those those ceremonial laws in, in our time today where we are in this moment. The societal laws, they, they change from nation to nation. Now, the societal laws that God prescribed to His people are still the best societal laws. But how many of you realize not everybody in our world lives under that kind of government? Amen. Do you realize that, that communist China does not live under the governmental laws laid out by God? A amen. Uh, North Korea does not live under the governmental laws laid out by God. 
In fact, very few literally live under the governmental laws that have been laid out by God. Our country, even though being founded on them, has drifted far, far away from the founding that, that we were founded upon in those, in those governmental societal laws. And so, so those are not our focus either. Our focus tonight and our focus out of this covenant that God has made really is found in these eternal laws, these moral laws, because that's going to deal with our discipline of life. Amen. And, and just follow along with me. The, the, the ceremony laws, they all would point to Jesus. And so when Christ came, Christ fulfilled all the law. I mean, he, he took it all. He fulfills it. Doesn't mean that he did away with it. That's not what it says. He is the fulfillment of it all. He, he, every feast points towards him or a work that he brings. Every, every sacrifice, it points to him or the effect that he has upon the life of those that follow him and believe in him. He is the, the reason that we don't have to offer animal sacrifices to please God any longer. Jesus was the sacrifice once and for all. A Amen. And so we need to understand that we've got to, we've got to understand a lot of people shy away from the Old Testament because they say, well, that has nothing to do with us. But that's not true. There are things that God has laid out that are eternal. They are, they are moral. They are the way we operate in life. And we have to understand that. Now, we need to know the difference and what, what we practice now compared to, or else we, can, we run the risk of falling under legalism to the law. And do you know in the New Testament it says if you're going to keep one of the laws, talking about those ceremonial laws, that, 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 that covenant that God had made uh, that with Israel, if you're going to keep one, then you've got to keep all of them. And man has proven over and over and over that they cannot. And do you know, even right now today, over in Israel, the ceremonial laws are not able to be fulfilled to the T. They don't. They don't, they don't follow those laws of the tea. They can't. The, the, the days of animal sacrifice and all that. The word seems to, to declare how there may be a return at some point. But, but as of right now, it, it's just ceremony. It's not, it's not substance. And so to try to put people back under that, that law, really, if we just consider it, we have been freed through Jesus Christ. We are freed to live our life through Him who has fulfilled all in all. Amen. And so it's important that we hear that and we begin to keep things in proper perspective. It would help us tremendously. We, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Right? Is that not what the scripture tells us? The day we are in, now that Christ has come, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities. But do you know, in the old covenant, they, they had to do some wrestling with flesh and blood. 
I mean, they, they, they had to establish a land, and it was a violent day and a warring day. Not that it's, there's wars today and rumors of wars, but, but not in the same manner that, that we read in that Old Testament as they are going in and, and settling land that God has promised them, and the enemy is, is ravaging the minds of, of those that will not heed God's people coming in and the, the violence of that day was tremendous and so we we have to keep the word of God in proper understanding from beginning to end that's why it is so important that we need to understand the word of God in context that because God's word is consistent from beginning to end it 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 does not vary you just have to understand who God's talking to what the purpose is of being said. There were things told for Israel to do that are, that are not for us today. Do you realize, and let me say this as well. Do you realize we, as followers of Christ, we have not replaced Israel. That the replacement theology that people want to put out there. We have not replaced Israel. They are still under covenant with God. And God is going to bring all that covenant to fulfillment. In fact, the final days, the days after the rapture, that, that, final, that final seven years that, that we see taking place after the rapture, that is a returning to, to God's people, Israel, for that final week of Daniel's vision. It's going to be laid back out and all things are going to be completed until when Christ returns at that second coming. There their eyes are going to be open to see the Messiah. Amen. We need, to, we need to keep things in proper perspective and we have to understand. We are living right now in the days of grace. In the days that, that Jesus has come, paid the price until the day we are living today. We, we are not living in the days of law. We are living in the days of grace. And the only way we are brought into the kingdom, whether you are Jew or Gentile, in the days of grace is through Jesus Christ. He is going to be the only way unto the Father. And we need to understand that. And we need to keep everything within context. Because if, if we can keep things in context, a lot of the questions that people will have will, will find easy answers. People will try to point out things that, that took place in the Old Testament or things that God would say in the Word in the Old Testament. And then they will try to twist that and, and try to find contradiction in the New Testament. But that's not really a contradiction. It's just a, a not understanding of context. Amen. And all that is is the spirit of this world trying to deceive people. Because if you see the word in context, you understand God does not change. He carries us forward. The whole purpose of the Word of God from cover to cover was the story of God creating man, of man falling from the grace of God, and for God bringing a Savior, Redeemer, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to man, so that in the end man is fully and completely reconciled unto God. Amen. And we need to, we need to reckon, because we can get so off track on so many different things, and trust me, 
I've pastored long enough. I've had many discussions with many people uh, about all sorts of things that they they have found or some they haven't found so much. Usually it's other people have told them and and they have fallen into either a deception or a confusion or or they 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 find they they look for contradiction rather than for the harmony of the scripture. Let me just help you a little bit. If you will look for the harmony of the scripture, you will find God is the same from beginning to end. If you are trying to look for contradiction, you open your mind up to the enemy. The enemy will show you things that he will tell you are contradictory. But they are not if you understand context. Amen. So, we are going to look at these. And we're just going to talk for a little bit tonight about these ten and why they are so important. Because they are God's moral laws. They are God's eternal laws, and and we are going to see exactly why. If you want to take your Bibles, turn with me now to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, and verse number 35. Matthew chapter 22, and verse number 35. says, Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him. How, How funny is it to think about people testing Jesus? Amen. Testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? What's the greatest commandment in the law? What he's talking about are these ten commandments. He's not talking about the washing of hands or washing of vessels or, or how you keep yourself clean from a, from a dead body or from animal waste or certain type foods you eat. That's not what he's asking about. Those are differing laws. He's talking about these Ten Commandments. He said, what are the greatest? What's the greatest of these commands? In verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments now hang all the law and the prophets. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and prophets. So Jesus has taken the ten and then the auxiliary, all the other type of laws, and he has boiled them down to two that if you will follow these two, <laughs> you'll be in good shape with all the others. And in fact, so much so that the Ten Commandments that we are so familiar with in our society, most people are anyway, the Ten Commandments truly are all about the two commandments Jesus gave. Because they have everything to do with loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. They, they have everything to do with that. It, those, those two commandments sum up the whole entirety of the Ten Commandments that, that we know, you know, people for generations in our country have had them hanging on their walls. Or, or we've heard the Ten Commandments and we taught the Ten Commandments. Do you know, used to, do you know schools were set up to teach these teachings? Amen. 
That, that, do you realize that's the whole reason education was set up in the United States the way it was way back in the founding days? From the days of the Puritans and the Pilgrims, school was set up to educate people so they could read and understand the Word of God so that they could evangelize people that were around them. Amen. And so they, they were set up based on these principles. It would be totally foreign today, but, but in the world we're living in today, the craziness of our culture today, but it wasn't even all that terribly long ago that the Ten Commandments would be prominent in public schools. That your school day would open with prayer. Amen. And it wasn't the... Just silent prayer type stuff. It was, it was actual prayer. I mean, now, now we can debate and have those debates, and, and uh, that's not my purpose tonight. I'm just trying to tell you, we were set up in these things, but we need to understand what it is that these commands are telling us. So these two of Jesus that he gives are going to sum up the ten. They don't do away with. They don't circumvent. They don't nullify. They fulfill. They complete. They don't compete against the ten. Love God and love your neighbor does not compete against any of the ten commandments. It completes the ten commandments. And so what I want to do is I want to take a little bit of time this week and next week. And and I just want to talk to you about how to understand that if we will prioritize these commands in our spiritual discipline life we will live fully through Christ and now I we please hear what I'm saying because I I can already hear some people wanting to say well but I I am in Christ and so therefore if I'm in Christ I don't have to I, I don't have to keep any laws but that's not what the word teaches us if you're living in Christ, Christ living in you, you, you will have a fulfillment of these. And there will be spiritual discipline in the life of every believer. Do you know what has to be disciplined in the life of a believer? We are not saved by our discipline. We are not saved by our works, lest any man should boast. But do you know what does need to be disciplined in the life of a believer? Anybody have a guess? Flesh. Has to be disciplined. Amen. How many of you have discovered yet. That even though you're a believer in Christ. Your flesh still needs some spiritual discipline. Amen. And so a good way of examining. Where you are in your spiritual growth. And maturity and discipline. Is to examine your life in comparison to these ten commandments. Because if you are living to fulfill the plan of God, the, the, the purpose of God, you're going to find you are living your life accordingly to these because Christ is going to lead you to that. And you will disappear. Paul writes and says, I have to bring my body under subjection. Like, a, like an athlete that's training, I have to discipline my body. We... we 
we don't talk about it enough. We don't even want to hear about it in the day. And that's why we have developed such malnutrition uh, to believers. That's why we, we have so many that stay baby Christians for decade upon decade. Because we, we don't talk enough about the fact that discipline is important in the life of a believer. Grace does not mean that we do not have to live our life in a spiritual manner. Amen. And so by examining these, we can look at these ten and we can have a guide. How many of you know when you drive down the road, every road, have you, have you ever driven down the road and you've seen those lines? You know, sometimes they're solid lines, sometimes they're dashed lines. Yeah, somebody said what lines, right? Yeah. Do you know what those are? Those are to guide you. Have you ever driven in a mountainous area? And and where where you know on just one side of the road you might have a little bit of a of a shoulder on the road and then it's just a drop off down the mountain. A lot of times on those roads there are going to be these rails. Do you know what they're for? Right, you don't. They're not for you to test and say, "Well, I don't want to live by those rules." Right? I don't think it's going to end well for you if you decide you're just going to crash on through the rails because, hey, I'm doing my own thing. Right? That's not going to end real well for you. They're guides. Do you know God gives us His Word, and it is a guide. Psalm 139 tells us, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It it, it is a light unto my path. It is my guide. It is my direction. And so, therefore, I, I have to bring my flesh, my body, even though I am redeemed in Christ, I still have choices to make. Do you know Jesus will not force you to live the type of life pleasing to the Father? He will enable you. The Spirit of God will empower you. But you and me have to make choices to live according to the guidance. Amen. I know that that's not the most popular teaching going around today. I understand that. But it's probably the most necessary teaching that needs to be taught today. We have a part to play. Not in our salvation. We couldn't do anything to be saved. Only Jesus could do that. But we have a part to play in our growth in Christ. Hmm. And so these Ten Commandments become a good guide for us. And I'm only going to start off and hit a couple of them tonight and then we'll finish them up next week. But I, I think it's, it's important that, that we... We grab this concept, and I've spent a little while on this concept because I know it's not that you're not smart enough to get this for yourself. That's not, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to show you the reason why it is so important. I'm trying to give you the background to what is necessary in our lives. Our desire, once Christ is our Savior, our desire for every person who is a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, our desire should be the desire of our heart should be to live a life pleasing unto the Father. If that is not our desire, then somewhere along the way you missed the whole concept of salvation.
Now, I didn't say you're always going to live it out. I, I didn't just, how many of you have ever had a desire for something, but you didn't practice it? Right? I, right? I have a desire to be in great shape, but I don't practice it. I've got preacher friends that have said, I've heard them say for years, round is a shape. So, you know, when they say they're in shape, that's the shape they're going for. But, but the, you can have a desire for something and not practice it and not succeed in it. I'm afraid we've got a lot of Christians who, who have a desire in their heart to, to live for God in the way God's Word tells us and, and He directs us, but they're not practicing it. Right? That takes discipline. If I want to be in good, great shape, that means I'm going to have to go work out. I'm going to have to go jog or I'm going to have to, you know, without some, something or somebody chasing me. You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to have to not eat the things that I don't want to eat. And I'm going to have to keep not eating the things that I want to eat. And then I have to eat the things that I don't want to eat. And that takes discipline. Amen. And so it, it's that concept in Scripture that we need to understand and, and we need to live out. Okay, let's look at these. Let's, let's start off verse number 3, and we're just going to walk our way through this. Like I said, I'm only going to hit a couple of them tonight. But let's look at this, and we're going to filter these through the two of Jesus into the plan of God and discover how we, what this means to us in this process of spiritual discipline in life. Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, on its face, that sounds really easy to grasp, right? But, but and, and, and when we read in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament days, it's real easy for us to sit here and distinguish when they had other gods ahead of God. Because after all, if they were serving Baal, then they had placed another god above God, right? If they were serving the gods of the land, then, then they were Dagon in the Philistine days, Philistine days, they were serving other gods of the land. If they, if, and so they were putting gods ahead of God. If they were serving the Egyptian gods, they, they were putting other gods ahead. And, and so that becomes real easy. But let me tell you, it's deeper than that. Because just as easily and quickly as we can discover them and we say, well, they were putting... How many of you could pretty quickly look at things in our culture today that if you just think for just a moment, could very easily be considered gods above God? Amen. The God of money. The God of power. The gods of influence. We, we have false God worship all around us. We, we have, have false religions that direct people in other directions other than God. But we have things in our lives that if we're not careful can come before God. Do you know God wants nothing in your life to be before Him? Let me, let me be real blunt with you. Sometimes even Christian people can put their family ahead of God. Well, family's a great thing. How could that be? Because if your family is more important to you than God, you have just made your family 
of God ahead of him. Amen. Yeah, but I can see my family. I live with my family. But God is God. And the word says he's a jealous God. He, he wants all. He, he wants to be first or else he will not take any other position in your life. Amen. And so we have to examine our lives and we have to say, okay, uh, is there anything that either is in danger of or has become ahead of God in my life? For a lot of people, it's pleasure. Amen. Is there anything? And that's, that's a solemn question. So the quietness is probably thinking and observing, which is good. But, but is there anything that is ahead of God? Anything that I've put in front of God? And, and the way you can probably evaluate that a little bit is where do you spend the most of the time you have to choose how you spend? Let me, let me say that again. Because if you say, where do you spend the most time? I can already hear the out and the cop out. Everybody starts saying, well, i got to spend time working. And i got to spend time doing this or that. So that doesn't bother me. But no, that's not what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you, how do you spend the time in your life that you have to choose how you spend it? What does that get invested in? I, I've, I've heard people... Forever, and I myself have been guilty of it. Well, I just don't have time to do this or do that. I have time, but but we have time to choose to do other things that we want to do. I would dare say there's not anybody sitting here tonight or listening to my voice, including me, who's here right now, that 24 hours a day, I don't ever have any time that I get to just choose what I do with that time. I, I highly doubt any of us have that kind of that kind of schedule. The question becomes, what do I do? How do I invest? What am I spending the time I am choosing? Am I putting things ahead of God? Because the reality is we do have to work. We do have to sleep. We do have to do these. When we have families, we do have to attend to families. We do have to do these different things. So that's, that's not the question. The question is, the time that you're choosing what you do with, what are you doing with it? Because that will probably determine if there are gods before God in your life or in my life. So just, just food for thought. So as we go through this process with spiritual discipline, let's start off. Remember, Jesus said, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, all, in everything. Love God. So let's start off right there. And, and let's just say, Lord, is there anything ahead of you? And then, and then the second thing, and, and we'll just stop right here. The second thing is in verse number four. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, a graven image. You, you are not to make something with your hands that you worship as God. That's the thought. No graven images. No carved images for worship. And I know, you know, I've, we've got people that, you know, they, 
take these scriptures and if their little girl has a doll that she's going to play with, they don't put a face on it because they say, well, we're not making any great. That's, that's probably not what this really means <laughs> to begin with. This, we, we need to understand what the word is saying. Do not make for yourself a carved image. And, and he, he goes on and he talks about things in heaven above and the earth beneath that there is in the water. Don't bow down to these things. Here's what hit me in this. We do not worship what is made by hands. Think with me for a moment. When God lays out true worship for them, you know what it involves? It does not involve the things they make with their own hands. It involves the things He's created. Amen? The animal sacrifices, those animals were not made by their hands. They were created by God. The crops that they were told to bring for heave offerings and wave offerings, they were not made by their hands. They were tended to by their hands. That's why they were praise offerings unto the Lord. But the seed was God's creation. Amen. Was God's doing life in the invisible. And those were acts of worship. Those were the things in the old covenant that, that were worship things. And he said, so don't, don't take idols. That's things that men's hands have made. That's, that's what people have designated as God. You worship me for who I am. A- amen. The dedicating, as they go forward, the dedicating of children. Children are what God has given And then we have the blessing of dedicating them unto the Lord. That is our act of service into His hand. The giving of our increases. We may labor with our hands, but it is God that gives the increase. And when you tithe and when you give of your your giving of increase that God has given to you. And so we need to understand that when He talks about this, for us today... We, if we're not careful, we, wanna, we want to worship things that we've done with our hands. Our works. Our good things. Our, and, and then we make those gods. That I'm serving thee. Look at what I've done. Look at what, what, what I have accomplished, Lord. I've done this for you. In fact, Jesus would give that parable and talk about those that in the judgment day that would say, but Lord, we cast out devils in your name and we did this and we did that. And Jesus said, but they will hear, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Because it's not about celebrating what you have done. It is about worshiping God for what He has accomplished. So, so don't, don't have created images or things. And yes, it is idol worship. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. It absolutely is idol worship. By that I mean idols of false gods. It definitely is talking about that. But those were all things men had made. We just talked about the other day, even the bronze serpent that was a tool God used to bring deliverance to the children of Israel. They even worshiped that thing to the point that they had to break it down and get rid of it. Amen. See, in our lives, we have to examine, am I, am I worshiping more what I'm doing for God or am I truly honoring God for what He has done. Amen. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. 
We cannot design or fashion God. We cannot make something that looks like Him, that becomes pleasing to Him that we worship. We are called to worship God for what He has accomplished. Amen. And true worship in the Old Testament, that, that true offering of worship was always something God had created. Not what man had accomplished. And so I, I, I just want us to hear that a little bit as we start this. Because remember, Jesus says, love God with everything in you. So as we start this journey for these ten and this, and this walk that we're going to take together over the next couple of weeks. As, as we move through this, I want you to remember, love God. So put no other gods before Him. And don't fashion things of your own hands and call it God. Worship Him for who He is. We are not able to make gods up on our own and call them God. We, we're not able to put our spin on the Word and say that's God's Word. Your spin on the Word makes it your Word, not God's Word. We are to live in God's Word with nobody else's spin on it. <laughs> A- amen. See, we've got, we've got doctrines of men. Word talks about that. That, that we, and we, we talk about the Pharisees and how they had gone too far and they had they had put a fence around the law and that means they had come up with all their own laws that were more important to them than the laws of God but can I tell you in our own doctrines we do that we determine things that, that we have determined that are not what the word has said and we put more emphasis on, on our own thoughts than we do on the things of God So we have to evaluate. Because if we want to live disciplined lives, if we want to be pleasing unto the Lord, if we want to live for Christ, let Christ live through us, then we have to love God with everything in us. No other gods before Him. And no image, nothing we've fashioned with our hands can rival Him or or represent Him. He represents Himself to us. And we worship Him for that. Amen. Y'all with me? So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about these ten, and we're going to break these down, and we're going to look at them very practically in our own lives. First two were more conceptual, but then from here, it's going to get very practical. So come and be a part and see what God will say to you about your discipline in living in the law of God that God wants you to accomplish and live in so you can live in His blessing. Amen. Stand to your feet with me tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your truths. Thank you, Lord, for your consistency. Lord, I ask that you would just challenge us. Lord, that as we live our lives, that we would live in Christ, through Christ, for Christ. No other gods would come before you. And nothing that our hands would accomplish or do would be seen in our view as rivaling you or would be the act of worship ahead of recognizing you as our all in all. 
Father, I thank you that you have revealed to us who you are, what you have done, the love that you have. Lord, let us keep that as our focus and let us live our life daily through Christ, honoring you. Lord, give us wisdom as we walk through these. Help us to apply practically these truths to live spiritual lives in the day that we are living. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you for being here tonight. Thank you for being online with us. Remember Saturday, remember tomorrow night prayer, 7 o'clock. Saturday, 10 o'clock here at the church. And then Sunday morning for Mother's Day worship. God bless you as you are dismissed.